We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 224. On this episode, we've got some news, and then we'll be discussing recent episodes of Game of Thrones, The Blacklist, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Arrow, and Continuum. Uh, Plus, we have some uh, TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 224. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Ivy West from clickclack.com. Uh, Libya Elamine from uh, TV Campfire Podcast and Weednopolis.com. Thank you both for joining me this week on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. All right. So we'll uh, we'll get going here so we can uh, really trying to keep things up since Libya just finished recording her podcast. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> be marathoning through with uh, lots to uh, a few things to talk about here. First up in the news segments, kind of a big announcement this week. Amazon announced uh, an exclusive deal with uh, HBO to bring a bunch of their uh, bunch of HBO shows to the Prime service. Uh, most notably, uh, Game of Thrones, Sex in the City, and Curb Your Enthusiasm are not part of that deal, but pretty much everything else is or will be at some point. Even some of the shows that are still airing now, like you know, True Blood, the first few seasons will show up uh, on the service, so to be able to find HBO stuff from someplace other than HBO is kind of a big, big thing. What do you think about that announcement, Ivy? You know, I think the thing that surprises me the most, and I, I don't think I realized it until I logged into HBO Go the same day, is they've got a massive library of television shows. You know what I mean? You really kind of forget how long they've been producing and, and some of the stuff that they produce kind of from day one. So for, for Amazon to get their hands on it over Netflix, that's massive. Well, and also because Netflix has been asking for it forever, and I think it's really interesting. Also, the, the amount, um, it was $300 million for the licensing fee, which to me seems like a, a, seems a lot. But if you think about it, I guess the library is extensive, and it helps me because I'm planning on shutting off my HBO after Game of Thrones this season, So, and I have Amazon Prime. So I was like, oh, that's cool, very convenient. So that, timing-wise, it works out for me great. What you're not you're not sticking around for the newsroom? Am I the only newsroom fan left on the internet? Is that how no, it is? No, I love the newsroom. It's just that uh, I had a deal with HBO for like one year. I got it for ten dollars a month, but it was one year from Game of Thrones of last season. So my <laughs> bill went up to like twenty five thirty dollars a month now for HBO. So I was like, uh, all right, it's time for me to let that go, and I'll just have to watch the newsroom elsewhere. <laughs> Well, like uh, three years from now, the third season will show up on Amazon. So, you know, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing is it's sort of a three, three years past when something's aired, it'll it'll show up. So like some shows like Veep, uh, like the first season could show up by the end of the year and, you know, a few other things. Uh, The interesting thing, I guess, is uh, that Game of Thrones was like left out of uh, it's like their one big property. Then the other two. Uh, the, the Sex in the City and Curb Your Enthusiasm, those were left out because they have huge deals right now for syndication. I guess that would kind of mess with those deals that are in place already. So mm. that's why those ones ha- got left off. But yeah, when you think about how long they've been producing like TV shows 
and that there's the possibility that if you've never had HBO or something like that and but you've you know you've heard about The Wire and Deadwood and The Sopranos and and you know even their their mini series like Band of Brothers and all these types of things are all going to be there there's uh, there's a lot of stuff if you're an Amazon Prime member to and that's the thing is it's a it's part of the Prime service so if you're already paying for it you'll get streaming access to all those things only thing is I think Amazon needs to revisit their menu, their prime menu. Right now it feels very disorganized and it's hard it's not exactly hard to find everything, but like they organize their things by season. So if I wanna watch like right now I'm trying to watch rewatch Stargate there, you have to actually go and find each season instead of just finding the show, which I find a little annoying. Some people also are annoyed that that when you go to like the Amazon instant video or, you know, like a the player or something like that, uh, that you get both stuff that you can purchase episodes and access to Prime stuff if you're a Prime member, and that some people get confused in, uh, you know, in what's, what's available for, for which. Right. I just think it's cool that, you know, Amazon, I, it almost like they added their instant streaming to Prime as an afterthought. You know what I mean? But now it's developed in this whole different thing. The only thing I think Amazon really kind of needs to, to get on the ball on, and I understand kind of the challenges behind it, is they need to be on more set-top boxes. Their app needs to be more places than it is right now because um, it's not on the Apple TV for kind of obvious reasons. It's not on TiVo, even though TiVo's had access to Amazon's um, renting service for a while now. So it's just like a, a, I've got way too many streaming devices in my house, but only one of them does Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, and it it doesn't uh, it's it's not on it's not on Chromecast, uh, you know, and and so a lot of the bigger a lot of the bigger ones out there. I mean, you will find it on uh, built into uh, some of the you know newer TVs and stuff like that that just right. like that have you know Netflix and Hulu and everything built in. And oh, you can always get the you know if you need another streaming box, you can always get the Amazon TV. Uh, <laughs> and add, add that to it. Too many devices. Yeah. I was about to say, I already have an Xbox that streams. I have a TiVo and I have an Apple TV. I, I think I'm good. Yeah. Well, for me, my uh, my Nintendo Wii has basically become, I mean, I've never really played many games on it, but it's become the streaming box. It, yeah, but that's <laughs> not even got HD, though. It, but it's 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 enough to uh, to to watch. I mean, you can hook it up in in lower uh, HD if if you wanted to. But but at least that has that has the all those apps on it. But for the most part, if I end up watching stuff, a lot of times I end up watching it off of because I also have my TV hooked to my computer. So it yeah. depends on what you know what I'm doing. Uh, but the other interesting thing mentioning uh, Amazon TV is within this also. HBO Go, there will be an HBO Go app coming to the Amazon TV by the end of the year. Uh, right. So that'll be that'll be uh, that was sort of like one of the the missing you know, that seemed to be like the glaring thing that was missing uh, from the Amazon TV announcement. But obviously, they had something much bigger <laughs> in the works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really think if, of all the apps out there, HBO Go is the one that kind of, you know what I mean, it's different from Hulu and Netflix and everything else because it's their own content. But again, it's just the, the, the amount of content that it has on there at any given time, just, I mean, because of its, you know, original programming, but all the movies that it has at any one given time, 
And there's just a lot of stuff available on it. If you, you could take everything away from me, and HBO Go would probably be the one thing that I asked back for. Really? I, I, my Netflix app is what I, I go to every time. Yeah. Well, now that I say that, I want. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, I mean, because the, the, the HBO shows that when, when they produce DVDs, the ones that I love the most, I immediately get. So I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't really lose those. But you're right. Netflix has opened me up to a lot of television, and, and it certainly curtailed my buying of, of TV on DVD. Exactly. Because like, of Netflix, I spend a whole lot less money on DVDs each month. Exactly. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so. well, it's it's getting to be pretty much it's it's starting to be where you need to have like Netflix and Amazon Prime, and but for if if you're not really interested in a lot of the newer stuff, you know, like when it's coming out, you could do pretty well with plenty of stuff, especially now to watch with just those two services costing you like, uh, well. Netflix is probably going to raise their price too. So, but it'd be you know like less than twenty bucks, less than twenty bucks a month. You know yeah. between the two. To, that they are raising their prices yeah. one dollars uh, for all new customers. But still, you're looking at between the two, you're looking at less than what you're paying just to add, like you were mentioning. Right. Uh, yeah, for the, my HBO. Just for right. a, just for HBO. You know, so that's true. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting to to see to see where some of this these things are are moving, and you know you get uh, two day shipping on anything that you <laughs> on, on, on a bunch of other stuff too. So you know just the all the the other little bonuses. Yeah, Netflix. What are, what are you doing for my shipping account? Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, you know the you can get you can read some of Kindle books for free through the Prime service and. And uh, you know all kinds of all kinds of other stuff. And the rumor is, is that at some point they'll add a Pandora-like music service that'll also end up getting bundled into Prime. So, you know, there's I'm sure there's there's even more things coming. Well, they, I feel like Amazon had to do something because their original programming hasn't gone anywhere. Like the Alpha House and Betas, like nobody's talking about them. As opposed to Netflix has House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, and everyone's talking about those shows, and people are getting Netflix because of that original programming, and Amazon was trying to do that, and so far they don't really have anything that's on that caliber. Well, their new schedule, I mean, their their new schedule of shows to me looks a whole lot better than the first go-around. Yes, um, they, they definitely have... That's not saying a whole lot yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering... Uh, well, they obviously thought so as well, considering they picked up almost everything yeah. compared to last year. They only picked up like a couple, but it'll be interesting. There, there was definitely a quality improvement in not just not just the you know the the quality of actor and stuff like that that they had in the shows, mm-hmm. uh, but the the actual the filming of the shows all seemed of a higher quality. Yeah. They all seemed of you know a higher budget than. Uh, much of the the first season things did well most most of them did uh there was still a, there was still a couple that felt like you're watching exper- experimental short films but that's enough about amazon and and, <laughs> and and all that stuff we have an episode back in the past that uh I'll, i will link to in the show notes if you want to hear our thoughts <laughs> on uh, amazon's uh, 
upcoming slate of shows. Uh, next in the news, uh, Seth Meyers has been selected as the host for this year's Emmy Awards, which is overall not surprising since the Emmys are going to be on NBC this year. So obviously somebody from NBC is going to be hosting them. And that seems like a, a good a choice as any, I guess. Uh, I'll probably watch his opening monologue and then flip to something else to, <laughs> to see what's going on. That's usually what I do with most award shows. Uh, what do you think, uh, uh, Libby, about that? Uh, Seth Meyers? I don't like or dislike Seth Meyers one way or the other. Um, I actually watch the Emmys to see who wins, but usually I record it and fast forward through a lot of the stuff to just find <laughs> out who the winners are. Uh, if it's a comedian that I really like, I'll watch the sketches, but I, I feel nothing for Seth Meyers one way or the other. How about you, Ivy? I mean, I think this is this would have been a great opportunity to give Jimmy Fallon just one more push. You know what I mean? If you're going to choose an NBC guy, uh, I have no idea what kind of rating Seth is getting in the Late Late Show, so I don't know if he needs the help or not. But I mean, Seth has been funny on Weekend Update for a long time. I don't watch the I don't watch his late night show, um, so I, but I feel like he could do a good job. And if we can't live in a world where Neil, Neil Patrick Harris can host it every year, I'm, okay. I'm like I can live with this. You know what I mean? I just but the Emmys Emmys is the one the one award show I do watch live. You know what I mean from the opening opening number. Yeah. Whether or not I'm still awake at the end is another question. Well, the interesting thing this year is it's going to be on a Monday night instead of a Sunday night. Oh, that is weird. As to not conflict with Sunday night football. On, oh, because on ABC. Yeah, because the Emmys will get nowhere near the number that Sunday Night Football will get. Well, this way you get both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead of, uh, uh, but yeah, that'll be. I don't. I don't know. I guess you know, kind of from uh, the SNL type of thing. Uh, you know, Amy Poehler and and why why am I blanking on Tina Fey? <laughs> Tina Fey. I wanted to say Liz Lemon for some reason. <laughs> I, that, was, that was the name that was coming to my head, and I was like, "Why? Why? Why is that?" Uh, but yeah, Tina Fey, you know, they've done well in, in recent hosting gigs, so maybe that. I think uh, I kind of had that same feeling, like, "Why isn't Jimmy Fallon the one that you selected to host?" But then I also thought about it in the respect that a lot of times, uh, more often than not, a host falls on his face, yeah. <laughs> you know, compared to what they're expected to do in these long running shows, there's probably more downside really to Fallon hosting than, than upside uh, that. I mean, he's doing really well on the tonight show right now where like even repeat episodes of the tonight show are doing better than, than, you know, than in the past. So I think you almost like leave well enough alone there and don't do anything to possibly detract from <laughs> from what he's doing that's true he's got me watching the the tonight show for the first time in my life consistently so he's a he's a fun host but uh, which is why i would have loved to see him but i get i get the logic it makes sense i'll be watching the late shows when colbert takes over sometime in 2015 yes that has me excited the the rest i don't care about <laughs> yeah i haven't watched too much late night anymore well but you know the way fallon's show is built it's all built to be put out in five, I mean, four to seven minute chunks on on video the next day. So, And it works. I usually end up watching whatever the funny bit was from the night before uh, the next afternoon sometime. 
Yeah, I rarely make it through all of the interviews. Sometimes, sometimes I merely I don't even make it to the first. But you know, the monologue, his sit down, and then whatever, like you said, funny bit he does. You know, I think that's all worth watching. The bit with uh, him interviewing Brian Williams about <laughs> and <laughs> that was hilarious, just because Brian Williams was the one like really hosting there. <laughs> he was the one. He had all the good lines, all the good shots at telling him that he was going to get back at him for all those rap mashup videos that that they Brian Williams is a funny dude. Yeah, you know I mean, he doesn't get credit for it. He is a funny guy. He's and he's always been willing to, you know, showing up on things like Will and Grace and all kinds of things in the past. He's, you know, willing to make fun of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was uh it it was a pretty funny uh interview and and Jimmy Fallon agreed because he was laughing through most of it. <laughs> he was. Yeah, he that, couldn't keep straight. <laughs> I had no idea that they'd done that many of those ma- of those videos. I thought it was just a handful of two or three, but it sounds like he's been doing it for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, they've they've done uh, they've done a few of them, and but it was pretty funny. I like that Brian Williams was now including himself in the <laughs> in the you know in the. All the all of rap, you know. Now he's he's one of the one of them. Uh, even though <laughs> I just his whole his whole persona and his whole uh, that thing that he was going to get Jimmy back for all all these things. It was just a really a really funny interview. But again, I watched it the next afternoon. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that'll do it for the news, <laughs> and we'll uh, jump over to the uh, prime time segment. Got uh, five shows uh, to talk about this week. First up, uh, Game of Thrones, Season 4, Episode 3, uh, Breaker of Chains. I don't know. Anything go down in this episode? I, I, it's hard for me to remember. It's just It's been a week since uh, we watched it. The big controversy that everybody – it was a big controversy in my podcast and everybody online is talking about it because it's a big divergence from the book. Which was the scene between Jamie and Cersei next to their dead son's body? As on the show, he basically essentially raped Cersei. Uh, in the book, that it was consensual. And so, considering the fact that Jamie's a character that they're trying to redeem, it, it seems like an odd choice to vary from the book in that spot. So, See, that, I, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. See, I have a lot of problem with this controversy, and I think some of it's kind of, first off, my own uh, misconception. I watched uh, – because I got the screeners for this, so I watched it well in advance and didn't and didn't watch it live, so I wasn't tweeting. You know, I mean, it wasn't the whole nine yards. But I remembered the scene from the book, and it's been, you know what I mean, two years since I've read that book. I remembered it being – because it starts off – because that's that's the one thing that there seems to be confusion on. It starts off as non-consensual, and it just kind of turns the tide by the end and becomes okay. Let's just get it over with. Um, but I remembered it incorrectly in my head and thought that it was, um, you know, just full on, complete non-consensual in the book. So when I saw the scene, I was like, oh, okay, that's about how I remembered it. But the crazy part is, well, to me, is that the director, you know, the did the interview with Seppenwall that came out immediately following the episode that says. Our intention was to follow – well, I mean he didn't say it, put it in these words. But our intention was to follow the book. 
at the end, we think we muddied the waters just enough. And maybe that didn't show up on the screen, but it definitely was their intention. Or at least that's what they were claiming was their intention by the time the episode aired. So I thought both of those two things kind of went by the wayside. Either way, you know what I mean? It, it's it's degrees of gray. It, it was a hard thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand why one is so much better than the other. They were both pretty darn bad, you know, examples of, of, you know, something for a character to do. Right. But I think it's because Jamie is, has been on his road to redemption and he's becoming, had be, becoming a better person. And this was basically 20 steps back for him. I think that's, that's really what the issue is. I didn't have as big of a problem with the scene, mainly because of my great hatred for Cersei. Um, and I felt like their relationship is really twisted anyway. So it didn't strike me as an out and out rape scene until somebody pointed it out. Like when I was watching it, I thought that one, he only has one hand. So I was kind of like, well, she really didn't want him to have sex with her. I didn't see like that should have been an issue for her to stop him. That's all. I I really didn't, I, I didn't see it as completely... Except that she did say uh, there were a lot of no's stops. So that's – in that respect, absolutely, she said no. Yeah. yeah. I think there's the – there's a, it's, it's a weird scene to even talk about like because anytime you start talking about rape in any – it's just – you know, it's it's a hugely loaded subject mm-hmm. uh, to uh, – you know, that it's just an interesting thing in the show that afterwards people – were mad at various different things. There were people that were upset just because it depicted a rape in general. There were people that were upset because they felt it was a rape and it differed than the books. Uh, You know, there were people that didn't know anything about the books, but felt that it was a setback, you know, for Jamie, who seems to be on this redemptive arc. And, so it was such an interesting thing to see and then to see, you know, like the people behind the show come out and one was like, well, it was supposed to end up consensual or, you know, be consensual by the end. Uh, I don't know. It's it's very it's very strange to talk about because I've also heard people that watch the scene and that's the way they felt. They felt it was consensual by the end and that she was more. Uh, say that all her nose and stuff were more about where they were, not about yeah, what they were doing. Exactly, because she was like, not here. Yeah, she did say that, not here, not next to our dead son. Yeah, that was kind of how I saw it. So that's why I wasn't as, I wasn't upset about the scene at all until I, I still am not really. Uh, I just thought that we should discuss it because everybody else is so up in arms about it. Um, but yeah, I did see it as, cause at first she was like, no, but then she was like, well, not here, you know? So I don't which, know. Which is pretty much how it played out in the book. See, that's the, I mean, everybody wants to say it was different. It it wasn't so different. And, and the point about it, it interrupting that kind of that, um, the redemptive arc that he's on, that is a challenge because I think they started that earlier in, or at least we, I think the audience started to recognize it earlier in the timeline of the show, then it really kind of shows up on the page. So it really kind of feels out of place here. But, you know, I want to say to all those people, we have no idea what's going to happen next. You know, how that scene is going to maybe motivate what Jamie does uh, in episode four. 
Um, so I think it's I, like I said that 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 type of controversy just I, I hate it because it's like it's jumping to a conclusion without you know without all the all the evidence and facts. So yeah, I, I suppose in the next handful of episodes, based on how these two people react to each other, will tell you what the scene really was. Right, right. Like, like if the next time they they're in yeah you know they're in the vicinity of each other, and uh, I think that you know that that'll that that'll tell you. Uh, more what it was, but yeah, I also think it's very interesting in that when when a bunch of people seem to watch it and they see one thing and get upset at one thing, and then the person who put it together says, "But that's not what we were trying to do." Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's either an epic fail on the part of the director and the way they edited the scene together, or uh, it's. Just the whole controversy and everything about it is like a lot of internet controversies is <laughs> things get you know stormed up and create lots of clicks and uh, lots of tweets and all kinds of stuff. And then a few weeks later, everybody realizes, oh, I guess that wasn't quite as controversial as, you know, as it was. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where where we go but it's also an interesting show in the way that it's put together is that there's a possibility that like this next episode has they barely show up in in the in the you know and so you know how much will you get uh in the in the next episode uh you know it could be two or three episodes before you get a really big scene between those two characters or some type of scene you know with those characters to where the show itself fleshes out more of what went down. Right. I have a question, which is actually more important. Who do you think poisoned Joffrey now that we've seen the fallout? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question too. And it's also interesting that I keep using the word interesting. I can't seem to stop. (laughs) Uh, Am I I the only one that's read the books? uh, I've read the first two books. I'm in the middle of book three. So, so I, I will sit. I will sit here and be quiet for a yes. moment. Yes, I, I haven't read the books. I'm not a huge book reader. Uh, I'm a huge TV watcher. So <laughs> I am both. In in this case, I you know I m- would much rather. Uh, I think I would find it. I don't know less enjoyable if I knew a lot of the things where they were going. I've been I've been able to stay away from most big spoilers mm-hmm. until they show up in the show, and they've been. Uh, you well, know. I, I have to say, I read the first book before I saw season one, and it did not deter my enjoyment of season one. It was actually really, it was some of the stuff was really exciting because you were anticipating some of the actions to come. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed season one, even though I had read the first book, and I had read the second book ahead of season two. I just slowed up at season three because I wanted to see what the difference was. Between being ahead and not, so I don't know. I think th- I think there's value to both ways, actually. I think if you're a big fan of, like, if you're a big fan of something that you've read, of course you're going to be excited to see an an actual, you know, version of it. You know, until you get a scene like this, and then you can get all pissed off because they changed something. <laughs> you know, so. I just I think that that's not yours, but you know, the quote unquote your problem because. You know, Bob and I, Bob is a, 
one of the guys that, that writes at Click Clack, and we write a post each week about Game of Thrones, and it's told completely from the perspective of those that have read the books. It's not a review where we do it kind of later in the week. And we've kind of come to this conclusion that it's, it's, a sh- it's, it's something different. It takes its cues, but things are going to change. And if you get worked up about things, the things that have changed, then it's your loss because they're both two great properties. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people. I've read the books, and if they change, there's very little they can – they could change just about anything, and it wouldn't bother me because this is still a great show. They've, they've, and as far as I'm concerned, and that's, that's the point I was going to make earlier is they've earned the benefit of the doubt for me. Just like the director, Alex Graves, who's kind of one of the – the all-time great TV directors in the last 10 years, as far as I'm concerned, has earned it. So if he says this is what they were trying to do, uh, I'll, I'll give it to him. I've got, I've got no problem. You know what I mean? But uh, Going back to who I think killed uh, Joffrey, my vote is on Littlefinger. Just, just so it's out there. I think, I think all the clues are there, and I think they've actually made it a little bit more obvious than they did in the books. But, uh, yeah, all of the clues are there kind of thing. And they did a really good job of layering it all in without being obvious. Yeah, I don't know that that would that would that seemed. Uh, I don't I don't know that that would be it. Just based on if I'm thinking right, he's he's the one on, that has her on the boat now, right? Yeah, that's the guy that has yeah. Sansa. So, but since he killed the guy that brought her, I can't imagine that he left somebody else, you know, back in King's Landing that would have been able to have done that. I feel like he seems to uh, get rid of anybody that he's. Yeah, well, as far as we know, he could have killed whoever poisoned him. We just don't know that yet. Uh, I just feel like that guy, the the jester guy, Dantos. Knew, he knew what was happening. Like once Joffrey started choking, he immediately knew what was happening. Grabbed Sansa, said, "We need to leave now." Yeah, so that meant that he knew ahead of time. So how did he know ahead of time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favorite part was uh, was Tyrion's line in the in the last episode. He said, "You'd think that if I was going to poison the king, I wouldn't be standing around there gaping <laughs> at it." You know, I, I would have had a much, guy holding the cup at the yeah, end of the scene. <laughs> I would I would have had a much better plan. Uh, that was that was really good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to oh, dude. I did it again to see who. You know who that ends up being. Uh, I I did like the somewhere I saw somebody tweeted something like uh, it was a, a CSI Westeros uh, figuring <laughs> out you know who who poisoned uh, King Joffrey. Yeah, those those pictures that and I've seen a couple of those. If you don't want to know, don't look at those. Don't follow those links because it spells it out. <laughs> because and I think it speaks to just again the quality of the show because. It put all the clues right in front of your face in a way that nobody saw them. You know what I mean? Unless you knew exactly what you were looking for. So that was incredibly well done. So I'm looking forward to how it gets resolved. Yeah, I think it may. It definitely will be one of those uh, types of reveals for somebody who hasn't read the books that you'll go back and you'll start going backwards, you know, in the show going, hmm, <laughs> you know, like. Well, I feel like the, the Tyrells are too obvious. Like, because they were there. She was literally feeding him the uh, that pie or whatever. And she didn't eat any. And she's feeding it to him. And I was like, well, it could be her, but that would just be really. And she has the most to gain. So, well, not really, because they didn't consummate the marriage. 
That's true, but the grandmother, they know they still want an alliance. So whether he she has to marry Joffrey or she marries Tomlin, Tom, Tom, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, if she marries oh, Tomlin, Tom, 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 yes, that guy. Uh, it's still the same. You got it better than the uh, than Benioff and Weiss because I saw them on a video calling him Toe Man the other day, and I'm like, <laughs> oh. I keep wanting to put an L in his name. I keep wanting to call him Tomlin, and I know that there is no L. So that's what my stuttering is about. Sorry. Yeah, she's definitely better off with the younger brother than she was with Joff. I'll say that, you know. That's right, that's I'm, clear. Yeah, but the reason for the alliance still holds, so there's no reason why she shouldn't marry the younger brother, other than it's slightly creepy that she's much older than him. Yeah, well, speaking of the younger brother, how that scene played out with Tywin... Oh. Talking to him over, like, uh, and completely like ignoring Cersei and and the dead person laying before them, and it's just like, you know, basically, you know, how do you become a good king? And basically, it was you listen to me? Yeah, <laughs> and that's you, the way to do it. You let yourself be manipulated by Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, yes. you do exactly what I tell you to do. But that that was some scene too. There, nothing Charles Dance does is not awesome. I'm not going to argue with that. First, my negatives there too many times, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Everything he does is good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. <laughs> Tywin, good. <laughs> Everyone else bad. Yeah. Uh, what about the Arya and um, the Hound show? Yeah, that's still like the favorite. My favorite part of the show. It's like. Anytime Arya or or Tyrion show up, like those those are the scenes that I look forward to most throughout the show. And I I like the the sort of you know, the going back and forth where he's rubbing off on her a little bit, but she's rubbing off on him a little bit, but you know, he's still you know, he's still who he is and he's still uh, for the most part out for himself. But definitely Definitely want to see more of that and and where that goes. I mean, a, a couple episodes ago, the whole fight in like the bar, right? That whole scene, uh, that was something else. That to me was probably the best scene so far of the season. You know what I mean? Everything else, kind of, even the purple wedding, can take a back seat to Arya really kind of coming into her own. Oh yeah, that, you know she's not head. really supposed to. Yeah, and and like the the look on the guy's face when he realizes who's. <laughs> Who that is? Uh, I'm just happy she got her needle back. Yes, I love needle. It was you very find that wolf, and she's complete. Exactly, the wolf is hanging out. Well, in the books, the wolf was hanging out near her. I don't know about now. Because the one thing that does bother me, uh, as a quick aside, is they don't give the wolves as much importance on the show as they do in the books, which I find slightly irritating. But that's the only thing. But not irritating enough that I'm not going to watch the show or anything. But yeah, well, I think it's but difficult. I, you've you've only got two that still have their wolves. You know what I mean? Grey Wolf was important to Rob. Um, Snow is important to John, but they've been separated. So I think that factors in. And well, really, Brand, everybody so gets Brand sick. Had, Brand. Yeah, Brand has his wolf because he's seeing through its eyes. Right. But with the amount of characters that they have, you know, spending too much time on some wolves might be just a little too much. <laughs> there's like, but there's like a, there's some magic to it. I feel like there's something there's something kind of mystical going on between their bond 
with the wolves, and I feel like that that's not really being emphasized. That's all. Kind of like Daenerys and her her uh, dragons. Yeah, except dragons and direwolves cost money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm aware. I'm aware. You can't go down to the direwolf store and you know pick up another one. I I did like how the episode ended uh, with the well with the the catapults of uh, sending up uh, the the basic you know basically the chains of past people that she's liberated. But where did those catapults come from? That's the only question I have. Is where did those catapults come from? Those are siege engines. They you build those like where if you're going to siege a place, you build them at the place you're going to put in siege. Like those are siege engines that you just make out of logs and crap and stuff. So at least they were the back right out of frame. <laughs> it seemed like they were. It seemed like they had marched up and then they were there uh, and then there were then there were all these and then all of a sudden there were catapults in front of everybody and I was like, okay. wait a second, just a few frames ago there were no catapults. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got nothing for that. <laughs> that was uh, that. That was the thing. It's like, where where do those come from? I mean, it made for a great scene with one of the you know with somebody that had you know sort of chains like that on, picking up and sort of being like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys are in trouble, you know. See, to me, it felt the see that that whole sequence felt like something. It felt like it was trying to to replicate the awesomeness that was the end of the fourth episode last season. <laughs> Um, except you can't set everybody on fire again and be as cool. So I just kind of like I didn't I didn't appreciate that scene as much as other people did because it just felt like the same thing over and over and over again, or at least the beginning of cycles. How many times can you march a big army up on a on another city and yeah. and then and then take it over? Although I did like the the scene where the guy takes out the horse and then. Oh, that was awesome! With the because everybody's just standing around, like, what? What are you doing? What? what you're just going to let him charge like that? What are you guys thinking about um, the recasting of that character to Michael Huseman, Hussman? Uh, I like the new version better, but it took me a while to realize that it wasn't a new character; it was a new version of the character. I, I yeah. found that actor from last season to be really annoying. He he just rubbed me wrong. So I think the recasting was a good move. I think the character is really annoying. So I, you know what I mean? I I think that this is a much more likable person, which I think is necessary for this season. But yeah, it's, I mean, and I think the guy's, you know, 10 times more talented than Ed Screen. I just, you know what I mean? This guy's, he's done great. I, I didn't see Treem, but he did great work on Treem from what everybody tells me. And I thought he was, you know, one of the good things about Nashville. And they haven't had a lot of them. Yeah, it just it just was so weird. Not just that they started to go like a different way you know, from one season to another, but they cast somebody so different. You know, it, they mm-hmm. it's not that they you know something happened and they needed to recast the role. Uh, they they recast it and went like a, a completely different direction with like the type of you know, well, and didn't even of, and didn't even like keep the look. You know what I mean? Didn't yeah. even try to make an effort to make it look anything like. Yeah, you know, say his name. Show. Say his name a couple times. There's so many weird names on the show. People forget. Yeah, especially from one season to the next. That was one thing that that was bit. I mean, now you've seen him enough that you just sort of go with the flow that this is the guy now. Uh, but it still seems almost like they just <laughs> that they almost could have just 
brought on a new person, you know, and just created a new role and had him do the same thing. Uh, yeah, me, Dario uh, becomes kind of a, an important character in that storyline. So I, it's tough to bring in a new one. It, it's sad because they've done recastings several times now, and they've they've it's been seamless every single time. But this one was just you know glaring and obvious and not done well. So you're right. He looked nothing like the other guy, and it took a moment for most people to realize he's supposed to be the same guy. But I think he's he and I think the mistake was that when they first had the first Dario, his moves on Daenerys seemed to be very obvious, and she, like, melted all over him, and it was like, what? <laughs> like, it, it made her seem out of character. And so by recasting him, they could kind of erase all of that. And so now he has to quarter again from the beginning, and now she's actually playing more hard to get, and that feels more in character. I think yeah. they fix the problem more than anything else. Yeah, they they fixed it, but also in in a way that if you actually were to watch, if you were to watch the end of the last season and the beginning of this season in like uh, binging it at some point in time in the future, you'll be you'll be what like, happened? wait, what? <laughs> yes, yes, I would agree with that. All right, that's enough about uh, Game of Thrones. Never enough Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's never enough. There'll never be enough. Yes, uh, welcome to TV Times 3 Talks Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all Game of Thrones, all the time. Uh, but next up, The Blacklist, Season 1, Episode 19, uh, The Pavlo- Pavlovich Brothers. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ivy, what did you think of of where we've gone with uh, some of the storylines here as we come to, closer to the end of the season? I'm I'm ready for the blacklist to, you know, get on with it. You know what I mean? To poo or get off the pot. That's there's there's nothing about this relationship between um, Raymond and Elizabeth Keene. There's no when we finally learn what the real story. If he's not her father, I don't understand how it can be interesting or, or that we're going to care. And I think it's been that that was the you know huge obvious idea for a while, and then we went away from it, and now we might be. And I just I kind of. I'm afraid that when when that story finally comes to light, that we're just audiences aren't going to care. You know what I mean? Yeah, there is the there is that thing in these types of shows where the longer you hold out a mystery, the better the reveal has to be, but the harder that is to do, and you know make it feel worth it. Right. I was going to say I don't know if I don't care necessarily whether or not he's her father or not. In that, I really like their relationship. Uh, I'm pretty convinced that he's not her father, but uh, my theory is that he killed her father because she, his, her father did something to him. And so he kind of became he, – he was using her at first, and then he started to care for her. That's my personal theory. I have no idea if that's correct. But as long as they maintain the relationship, I'm okay with it. The problem is right now – is it, at the end of the episode, it looks like they're going to take 10 steps back on their relationship again, which irritates me more than anything else. So, But I do agree with you. They do need to just resolve that, and I'm surprised that they're taking so long in doing so um, because I think the show would be fine if he wasn't her father, if he just basically substituted her in his head for his – because we know his daughter either is her or got killed. Either way, he has it in his mind that she's like his daughter. Yeah. So, and he really, I think he genuinely cares about her. 
But that doesn't take away from the fact that he's a monster to everybody else. And so whatever's in that that uh, safety deposit box, and it's like, oh, my God, he's a monster. I'm like, you knew that from day one. So getting all upset about it makes no sense to me. Well, if she ever finds out that he killed her father, or at the very least the man she thinks is her father, I don't understand how their relationship will ever be able to come back from that. Except so that, that reveal of- ever happens. I think that was sort of a mercy killing because they were friends. And the only reason he killed the guy was because because the guy actually asked him to kill him at the beginning of the conversation. And he's like, oh, well, no. And then he said, well, if you don't, then I'm going to have to tell Liz everything. And then he was like, well, OK, I'll do it. <laughs> so I'm not saying it wasn't, wasn't justified. I'm saying Liz will never forgive him. Not if he says it's a mercy killing. I think she could forgive that. If she would believe that. Oh, well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can you believe anything Raymond says ever? Uh, he does. He does lie a lot. Yeah. Oh, once or twice. Although he has told her that he hasn't lied to her. He just leaves a lot of stuff out. Right. <laughs> yes. Just, a lot of omission. He just. And, 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 and he has said, he has said straight out to her that he's not her father. He's yeah, her. I know. But the moment that he said it, it felt like he was lying. Like, she asks him the question, and he hesitates for, like, a really long time, and then he's uh, like, no. <laughs> but if that, like, if that turned out to be, then he would have lied to her. Yeah. And then that right. that thing that he said to her, uh, you know, in the recent episode is, that would change that dynamic, too. What did you think of finally, of sort of, we finally got the reveal of Tom. You know, you knew all season that was coming, but what did you think of their sort of fight and... And he leaves, and what? Who do you think he's working for, and what? What is their interest in Red, and that whole thing? That there seems to be a big uh, thing out there that Red doesn't know about, which is part of why uh, he came out of the, you know, sort of, you know, came in for this deal was that it afforded him extra ways to find out who, what's going on, and. In, in these situations. Well, I'm, I'm much more interested in Tom than I have been the entire season, but that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm beginning to think he's not the, you know, the, the end of that sequence this week really is leaving me with doubt on are you know, is he good or is he bad? I mean, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that those are things that don't mean as much on this show as they do on others, you know, similar shows, but I'm, I'm not thinking he is the evil guy that we were led to believe originally. Yeah, well, because you don't know who he's working for and what the reason is uh, that he would, uh, you know, do such a thing. You don't know if he actually ended up falling for her, uh, really. I mean, he leaves, he doesn't kill her, but that's still sort of his job was to be around her to try and find out information because they seem to really be interested in Red and anybody that seems to be connected to Red. Yeah. Well, I can see how he would think he is a good guy because, in any respect, Red is a bad guy. Yeah. So if you're after Red, then you are, then by definition, a good guy. So yeah. I, I can see in his mind how he thinks he's working for good. I, I just think there's been too many times talking about the, you know, the, the their connection between Red and 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 Liz is is there's been too many scenes where like they're in wherever this room that she has that. Uh, uh, she's got her uh, investigative wall going. 
where she, he says that's not important now. That'll all you'll that'll all be found out in time. Uh, what we really need to find out is like what's up with Tom. Uh, I think there's getting to be too many of those scenes where he just sort of waves it away and it's just like you don't need to know yet. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Let's focus over here. There has to be something that by the end of the season there better be something and it it needs to be pretty good uh, at this rate. Yeah, we've definitely got to have some reveals and you know, they're definitely going to be the the types of reveals that lead to more questions and that's fine, but there's definitely got to be some movement on the storyline. The one thing that would instantly kind of solidify any character on that show as a good guy in my opinion is anybody that would give her a haircut. So she doesn't have to wear that god off the picking. It's just every week I'm just take it off. Well, please. May, may, maybe now it'll be uh, like she needs to change things up from how her life has gone. And maybe that'll be one of the things that'll happen. I just when I met her at Comic-Con and I saw short hair, I was like, oh, she must get a haircut in the second episode. No. Yeah. <laughs> No, that also seems interesting in that for like a law enforcement person, short hair would not be – it doesn't seem like that would be a problem. No. (laughs) It's just – it's the NBC execs. They want her to have long hair. That's all it is. But then you end up with a season long of people talking about her hair and not the show. (laughs) You know, it's like there were were times there in the middle where – into the season where people were – that – that was the one thing you heard about, and you're just like, that's a distraction from uh, the things that are actually interesting and fun about the show. Uh, so I don't know. It, that'll be inter- interesting to see. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't stop uh, what yeah. they do with that going into the, into the next season. Uh, but going into the end of this season, they definitely need to reveal some things, even if they're things that make you question things that you thought you might know and point things in a new direction for a, a next season. That's all you need. You don't have to answer everything. You just have to, yeah. <laughs> you just have to give forward progress uh, at some point. And it doesn't feel until really recently that we've gotten any, uh, it, it seemed like the, the series sort of did. I, I guess you're also comparing it to other shows these days and that if you're not scandal and have you know like three twists an episode that, you know that you're 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 going too slow so you know was it really too slow or is it just really too slow compared to how fast some things are these days yeah i feel well, like with the times with what where stuff is now everything is much more fast paced and if you don't make your storyline fast paced enough people will lose interest in turning the channel so yeah they need to pick it up i agree I think Scandal and Vampire Diaries and sh- and and The Hundred and shows that move at that pace and are not afraid to to change things up. Uh, you know what I mean at the at the cost of moving at that pace. I think they've proven that you can develop coherent and concise storylines and work that way. And I think that hopefully, you know, the the kind of the example that the, that Scandal's setting. Hopefully, more and more shows will start to follow because it's so much more interesting. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I see the long arcs. You know what I mean? They're just because you can normally see where they're going a mile away. Yeah, because it takes so long to get there. It's just like, come on. And I think part of the problem was 
they let the audience know that the husband was crooked too early. Yes. So we're sitting here waiting. So it made Elizabeth seem stupid because we know, and she doesn't know for such a long time, you could only sustain that for an episode or two before the, your main characters suffer for it. Yeah. Good point. Excellent point. Well, all right. And that's, all. that's, that'll do it for uh, the blacklist. Cut the hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that out loud? I didn't know. <laughs> and we'll move on. Uh, the next show on the list is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, Episode 19, uh, The Only Light in the Darkness. And, Libya, we'll start with you this time. What do you think about post-Captain America, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It has been fantastic, actually. I watched probably the first 10 episodes, like by people it felt like dragging my by dragging me by my fingernails like it was so such a hard thing to do for so long and then they had their first good good episode i'd probably say is the train one called i think it was called tracks where i was like oh wow that was really well written and then the next episode was really good i was like wait is that two in a row that were good and then the next one was i was like is this a trend and I have to say I'm fully on board the show now. Like, I really enjoy the show. Uh, and it's it's it used to be the last thing I watched in the week, and now I watch it immediately as it's recorded on my TiVo. I really like it. I'm, I, I could not have predicted that early <laughs> earlier in the season. And this episode, the only thing that bothered me in this particular episode was Coulson was very ch- childish. Like... I got why he was angry in the, uh, at Ming-Na's character, at, Ming, at uh, Melinda May, sorry. I understood why he was angry with her. And I do like, by the end of the episode, he finally was like, man, I've been really childish and not forgiving her. I was like, yes, I thought that episodes ago. So, and I think that he, it was actually to the detriment of his team, which you, normally I see him as a pretty level-headed leader. And I just think his emotions were all, have been all over the place. That's the only negative that I have to say, because Coulson's usually my favorite character. And um, with the whole uh, Ward being, you know, Hydra, the reveal of that for Sky was fantastic. Like, her terror and realization was really, it felt really genuine. And I thought she was screwed because I didn't think she was going to be able to pull herself back from just her freak out. Uh, in time, and I thought he was going to completely know just because because she's not Sky's not the best liar that I've seen. Uh, so I didn't know how she's going to pull herself together from her freak out to being able to face him. And she did. She managed to do it, and she was smart. She put the penny back, which I was very happy about. <laughs> um, and it just it all came together in a really good way. Except now I'm mad that Melinda May has now gone off. Uh, by herself. Well, it prevented her from being killed by Ward, or at least he would have tried to kill her. Um, but now she's off on whatever mission. I don't know what the mission is she's doing now, but since there's no real organization, I guess she can go off on her own mission. But well, did you for did me, you not see the, the spoiler the teaser tag? What was there? Did they tell you? Like I saw the end yeah. of the, uh, maybe yeah. I didn't see the preview. The maybe end. The end the- of the episode where she gets picked up by her mother. Right, I saw that, but I didn't. I don't know where she's going. She's she's going uh, to. She's looking for Maria Hill. Maria Hill. Who's Maria? Do I know who Maria Hill? Wait, who's Maria Hill? Why am I blanking? Colby Smulders. Colby Smulders. Oh, 
Okay, see, I always call her Colby Smolders. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't know her because name. Colby Smolders. Yeah, I totally just that's what I called her. Um, but okay, that makes sense because obviously Colson's not in his right head, and so she's looking for somebody to lead who actually has her head on straight. So okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, other than the team splitting up, which was an awful idea, which left uh, everyone vulnerable to uh, Ward killing people off. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was most disappointed is that that was the end of Patton Oswalt. Yeah, he was great. Great character. Oh, the the lie detector was great. That was a really good tense moment. Like that was all really good. Well, I, I thought they did a great job of setting it up with humor earlier, and then and then to bring kind of that same sequence back with Ward a couple of minutes later was was a great kind of you know juxtaposition between those two moments. Yeah, it's some yeah. lie detector test where at some point in time somebody pulls out a gun and says, "I'm going to need you to answer that question again." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a lie detector test. Well, I think what skewed the results, too, is the very first question is, what's your name? And he's lying on the first question, you know, because his is name he... is not Ward. And I'm pretty sure his name is not uh, – because um, remember when he was, like, trying to psych himself up? He was like, I'm Ward, I'm Ward, I'm Ward. And I'm like, oh, his name is not Ward. Mm. At least I think that was what they were saying. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know – Partly it helped that he was injured, so that helped to obscure it. He Plus he had the something that he jammed into underneath his nail to help out with things. And plus he was able to uh, obfuscate the, the questions by it being things like, you know, why are you here? Well, he wasn't lying when he said he was right. there for Sky. Uh, right. he, he was there for Sky, not for good reason, but he, that's why he was there. But I liked, uh, you know, some of the things that they played off of with the, you know, Fury designed this so that even Romanoff couldn't pass it. And, he, and you see Ward go, so how how did she do? You know, like, because <laughs> he knows he's going to have to get in the thing. It seems like they've got to name drop Romanoff once once an episode. Yeah, well, it's like, more, more than any other character gets referenced. It seems like it's her these days. Yeah, it's, it does. Well, they, they did drop uh, Bruce Banner in this episode as well. Uh, yeah. With the the creator of the technology that uh, Fitz was using to take out the uh, the the guy that could drain power or whatever. Yeah, I was unclear about his powers. He can drain power from humans, so it like kills them in a weird way. But then he can use it to power a truck. Well, he could like, he could what? drain or give power. Basically, uh, it, it seemed to be, and so he could you know he could make things not stop and he could make things start. But it made for a creepy scenes of like lights going out as he's walking through things and stuff that uh that was pretty good uh, but i think uh, my favorite bit in the whole thing was was when uh, simmons said that uh, if she was on the island and there was a box that she she wanted the tardis to be in the box because <laughs> <laughs> then you could leave the island <laughs> that was uh, that, that was pretty good but yeah i thought they did a pretty good job though of maintaining what they've, you know, what they've set forth uh, in that uh, Captain America didn't just uh, save the world from Hydra. He also saved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from uh, <laughs> being canceled, probably, maybe, or or being bad. Is now that they have this out there, they have, they ha they've put a face to the bad guy, or at least the bad guy that they're, you know, most concerned with right now. They've made Ward interesting for the first time <laughs> Uh, all season. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. 
and he seems to be much freer in playing, uh, you know, now that they've let him in on that he's a bad guy than he ever was playing. He was like almost too straight laced, you know, type of uh, that it, everything came off really flat. Uh, so, you know, I think they've really they've really turned a corner. And like you said, Libya, it's become since the first like handful of episodes, you know, like when the pilot, I was really interested to see the pilot. So, you know, like I watched that right away and I watched the next you know handful of episodes right away because I was but I started to fall off to the point where I went and saw Captain America and still hadn't seen the previous week's. You know, I was still, I wasn't way behind. I was just a week behind. And then I, you know, caught up uh, with uh, the the previous episode before watching uh, the next episode. But it made me go, it made me want to watch those episodes because I was like, well, I'm interested to see how they're going to handle this. And what it's done, the momentum that it's given the show is is the thing it's been missing all <laughs> all season long and it's now become i watch it same night yeah uh, which i i i'm i'm back to that level of interest of wanting to wanting to watch it as soon as possible where i was maybe i think i even a couple times had gotten like a couple weeks behind you know at times in there in the middle of the season i think they made one big misstep with this episode though and it's and it kind of speaks to my fandom but I, you know, yes, the cellist is a important role in the context of Phil Coulson's life, but I would have much rather they saved Amy Acker for something larger in the MCU in general. I just kind of had this hope that Joss was going to work her into the movies in a role that won't be like a one-off one episode where you don't even get to be conscious in the same scene as the guy you love. No, just... I thought that they completely and totally wasted her. Well, I thought that the whole thing was weird in that, you know, when you read like the description of of the episode and they mentioned the cellist, it sounds like the cellist is like, you know, that's the the name of some bad guy or something or like who <laughs> who you're going you're going up against the cellist. And it was like, no, that was just the the woman that that Colson, <laughs> you know, uh, saved and fell in love with back in the day, you know, uh, that, yeah, I expected you to get that reference on your own and didn't really help you out with it in advance. <laughs> it just sounded, you know, based on you're talking, your comic book thing is anytime you call somebody by some sort of name like that, it, it evokes either a hero or a villain in your head, not just a person that actually plays the cello, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was, you know, that was kind of funny for, but yeah, I can see that just because of past things for Amy Acker that you would maybe hope for maybe something bigger than, than the role that she had, but, but she's still, uh, she's a little busy Yeah, keeping up with the machine over on that other show. I don't watch Person of Interest, but the couple of episodes I tried to start watching this season, she doesn't, she's not in every episode, is she? No, no, but she's kind of like, she's the kind of character, she's actually literally the Dulex Machina. Like, you can't have her in every episode, but when you do have her, you know it's a big episode. Yeah, so they, they have her show up every once in a while, and uh, but she's been in a good number of episodes this season. Well, she's yeah. added to the regular cast this season. Right, but 
But uh, like I said, she because of her relationship with the machine, um, you don't want to keep her there like all the time. Yeah, she has a really unique relationship with the machine, so that's the thing that's pretty cool. Anyway, but you should tell. And and actually, strangely, person of interest. Once you get into season two, it becomes more arkish, and you can't really jump in. You really need to watch in order. I'm a big advocate of person of interest. It's one of my favorite shows. Period. So well, I tried at the beginning of the season because I'm a because I am such a big fan of Amy Acker and Sarah Shai. So I really wanted to to make an effort and you know put it on my season pass list and watch a couple episodes and like nope, still not doing it for me. So I just I'll can't. Have, I don't yeah, I have to talk, get it. I'll have to talk you off podcast. Uh, pitch it again. <laughs> I'm going to be getting tweets every day. You need to watch person of interest. You need to watch person of interest. No, right. I don't just do that. I have a whole method. <laughs> all right. Well, I think uh, we're all kind of in agreement that uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield has definitely improved from where it was in the beginning of the season, or especially the middle of the season. From about halfway on, it's definitely gotten better. Just following the natural path of any Joss Whedon show. <laughs> yes, that's right. Saying, <laughs> go back and watch that first season of Buffy again and tell it, me. It's not good. <laughs> yes, that's right. Killer uh, marionette puppets, you know what I mean? Just remember that. And uh, we'll move on to uh, Arrow, uh, season two, uh, episode 20, scene red. We'll start with you this time, Ivy. What, uh, what do you think about this episode and... This had kind of a, a big ending to it as well. Yeah, this is one of those episodes that I'm enjoying enough that I get into it and I'm not paying attention to it like we normally pay attention to a television show. And so when we finally got to that moment where Moira stood up, which first off I thought was a great moment for her, and you realize that, no, she's not going to make it out of this episode, you go, wow, they've been telling me that for the last 45 minutes with every hint an illusion and piece of foreshadowing they could, but I wasn't paying attention because the episode was so good. I I was I was impressed by that. I thought that was a um, a big move for them to make. I was disappointed. I hate the trope of the hero's family not knowing the truth about him. It's you know in any show that you have that you're keeping a secret identity from the family or from anybody. To me, that gets boring after about one season. So I was was embracing the fact that Moira was saying that she was in on it, um, only then to have that kind of just be the you know putting a period on the end of uh, on the end of her arc. But I thought it was a, a big choice for them to make. That's it's she's she was one of the more anchorish type characters. You know what I mean? One of the the pieces of maturity the show didn't have. You know, really kind of just her and detective officer Mister whatever his rank is these days, uh, Quinn Quentin. That um, Lance, excuse me, Quentin Lance. Um, but I thought that was a bold move for them to make. I was surprised. There was many people I thought that they would have offed before Moira. Yeah, I, I would agree. I I didn't believe they were going to do it until she stood up. And I was like, oh, they're really going to kill her. Because I kept waiting for someone to show up to save her, I guess. Like, I kept waiting for the team to figure it out. Something crazy, lightning to strike. I don't know. Um, I but once she stood up, she had that look on her face. Oh, you thought that who? Sagan? I thought this was going to be the moment that Sarah came in at the last minute and sacrificed herself 
as shadow, you know what I mean? Kind of taking, taking, you know, giving, giving that arc an end to the first time that a gun was put to two women's head. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and what's crazy about the scene is I was like, how does he know how the scene played out? Like, it's so weird because he wasn't there, yet he played out the scene almost exactly. The placement was almost exactly perfect. So I was like, that's weird. Like, how does he know what ha- I mean, we hear the woman, you know, the, sh- the faux shadow talking in his ear, telling him to kill people. But I'm assuming she's not real, that it's just a figment of his imagination. But he, he pretty much replayed the scene exactly as it was done the first time. So that's just strange. I think it was happy coincidence. You know what I mean? It was it was cinematic coincidence because they wanted it to be there, but it just I, I don't think there was anything to read into it that you Other know. Other than that, he's that, been told like what happened enough that it was a very quick. It was one quick conversation where the guy told him. Well, he's been reliving that moment in his head again and 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 again. And again, and again, and again. It was interesting that. At the end, for a brief second, like when she stood up, I was like, like you're saying, this is the end of her arc. Uh, she's been, you know, coming around like she was just about to tell that that bothered me a little bit. Uh, I, I, I hate that on a TV show is somebody had just about to tell tell a secret and then their car gets hit. Thanks, alias. That that's kind of that bothers me a little bit because there's. It'll, I guess it'll play in, you know, later on he can, you know, Malcolm Merlin can show back up. Uh, but, you know, it, that would have been useful information for the Arrow to, to have ahead of time. And I think, I think she earned, even if it was, you know, retroactively, she earned the right to be the one to tell both yeah. Oliver and Thea that Malcolm was still alive. You know what I mean? We didn't really know it at the minute, but I think by the time it was over, you really wish that she had told them to, that would have been just one more thing to kind of canonize her to a, the better character that I think she wound up being in the end. Yeah. That she was trying to, that she really was, uh, the one thing she did try to do was save her kids. Uh, and she, you know, she did finally step up for them, but when he put the gun away, I thought for a brief second, you're like, well, maybe he still has, you know, something else in mind. And then he pulled the sword out and stabbed her. And you're like, they did it. They actually killed her off. <laughs> you're like, Cause that was the, that was a definite like she's dead, and then to just end the show, uh, pretty much there was, that was pretty big. And they, uh, you know, reading afterwards, some of the thoughts of the people behind the show, of where they felt that her arc was and what they could do uh, with the show, uh, that it put characters in interesting positions, you know, for a possible return of Malcolm Mer- Malcolm Merlin, where now. You you do have uh, somebody that ha- you know thinks she has no parents, uh, thinks they're both dead, and then comes to find out that one of them is alive. Uh, you know what could that do story wise down the road? It does put you right there in the in the sort of story arc of something terrible happens for the hero to overcome. You know here in the last couple episodes to that he has to overcome to be able to come back and save the city from being overrun by. Uh, Slade and his his now Miracuru minions that he has. Uh, so that there's you know they had a a lot of stuff and to do something like that and it not be you know like you know like Tommy dying in the season finale last year 
or something mm-hmm. where it, it comes a little bit earlier so that you have a couple episodes here to see them have to deal with uh, what happened. I don't know. It, it just keeps the show, uh, for the most part, it has been all season one of the shows that I watch same night mm-hmm. or as, you know, as soon as possible type of thing. Just because I'm, I don't know, it's, it's one of my favorite shows on TV right now. Well, who do you guys think? Slade promised to kill one more person. Who do you think that is? He said he was going to kill the sister, Thea. Oh, see, I, I wasn't left with that impression. It sounded to me like he was promising to kill one more, and he did that as he was letting Thea go. So there's, I think there's one more out there, and is it, is it Sarah or Laurel? There's the possibility that the one more out there is somebody that he doesn't even uh, that Oliver doesn't even know exists. Ollie Jr. And that would be the storyline that they showed of him having gotten a girl pregnant and more having paid her off and, uh, and sent her away. Uh, so there is, you know, an offspring out there that he doesn't even know about. Uh, I think that could be the possibility because obviously Slade knows it has spent, has spent a good period of time over, over the, the last year or so uh, investigating Oliver and his family and knows a lot uh, mm. about him and what he's been doing and what's going on. So that was sort of the direction I went. That was the connection I made because otherwise, like, really, I don't know. Otherwise, you're telling a story of another thing that Moira did that wasn't necessarily, you know, the greatest. But but that was that was, that was the thought I had. Well, the only thing about that is we haven't met the kid, so there's no emotional ramification for it. So if he kills the kid, it's kind of like, oh, that's sad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like that has the... I think it's another thing for maybe him to tell Oliver about. Or... Yeah. But that was that was just one possibility that I went with because he's already sort of come... Uh, I mean, I guess the other possibility is is Sarah because Sarah was the one that Oliver chose and Shadow died, so... Uh, those those are those seem like the two most likely possibilities. Well, I think it, it could definitely be the two of them. Um, it could be, it could also be Laurel because we know, you know, from Arrow lore that Laurel's supposed to be the soulmate, even though the show's done a horrible job at setting up that idea. And then I also yeah. think just 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 for the sake, it could be Felicity, just for the sake of it's got to be somebody we know. I think, and I think it would be whomever Wade. Slade thinks is the person that Oliver loves most. And so it might be telling from the outside perspective who Mr. Wilson thinks it might be. Yeah, yeah. That could be too. I mean, that those seem like all the, I mean, everybody is sort of a likely candidate. That's pretty much Oliver's world right now. So I, I think of, you know, the people that we've seen, it seems like maybe Sarah would be, uh, the most likely, although he's sort of come up against her and seen her uh, previously. So although maybe it wasn't the the right time in his plan or whatever for, for doing so. I mean, that one seems like the clearly logical choice based on she was the one that, you know, in, in the original situation is the one that didn't die. Right. But then they also told that story about the baby. So that made me think that that was also a possibility. But obviously, you know. Felicity or Laurel could easily be the next target as well. Well, Sarah's been the one that I thought was not going to make it out of this season, you know, for some time now. She was the one that I was always like, well, 
they're going to have to write her off the island within the next year or two anyways. They're going to – I so I really thought that Sarah might not make it out of this season anyway, which is why I thought Sarah was going to show up at the end of this episode. But, I yeah, I would, I would hope that it's somebody besides her, but I think that it's going to end up being Sarah, like you said. Because I like Felicity. Felicity <laughs> <laughs> shipper. Well, I, I think that they promised the relationship between uh, Ollie and Felicity, and they haven't done it yet. So them killing her this early without having actually done it just seems kind of unfair. Yeah, but that's just the comic canon a little better. I'm not a particular fan of Oliver and Felicity as a couple. I like their relationship the way it is now, but uh, I do feel like they've set it up. Well, they they have done some sort of setup like that somewhere in the future if he – sort of became a better person and wasn't this late night superhero, <laughs> you know, they could be together type of thing that, uh, you know, and, and they still, but they, they have a lot of fun with those scenes of, of her and, you know, like the time where she gets kind of jealous of Sarah when, you know, Sarah first comes back. There's the, when she gets mad at, at Oliver because he slept with the, I don't, I'm blanking on the character name. The lady, the, the one that ends up taking over the company and then... Summer Cloud's character. Yeah, um, I, I, may I or may not have died an episode ago. Uh, she's not dead. They showed her come back. And and so there's... The, you know, they have, they have a lot of fun with those sort of uh, scenes. And then also that you could see that, you know, Oliver clearly cares for uh, her as well. Uh, like, you know, when Slade was in... You know, in the lair, he went instantly for Felicity, took her over the railing to protect her. Granted, she was the least likely to be able to protect herself, but still, that was <laughs> that was his first instinct was to was to protect her. So, yeah. So they they still have you know they still do some with that. It she just seems like the type of character in this type of show that her now missing would make the show so much different. Uh, that it yeah. just seems like she seems like one of the safest characters other than Oliver himself, because you can't have a show called Arrow without the Arrow. <laughs> I thought that would be the fan of the show if Felicity wasn't on it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's I agree. And yeah, so I, I think that's sort of a, she's sort of a safe uh, character that it just, it just seems like it would change the, the dynamic that was obviously, you know, she wasn't necessarily, not necessarily originally in the, it, it definitely became something as they went through the first season, but now it it definitely seems like something they uh, uh, that would markedly change the show uh, yeah. from what it is, uh, and that's that's pretty good from somebody who's not that's one of the side you know the sidekicks, yeah, and not the destined love interest or the suppo- or the the history the historical love interest they they could go a different direction. Yeah, you couldn't see my air quotes when I said destined. <laughs> I like Katie Cassidy. I don't, you know, I don't dislike her like a lot of people do. But Laurel sucks. Yeah, they haven't done great at times. She's she's been better. They haven't done as great. I, I maybe now that, I mean, she knows even though nobody else knows that she knows. Uh, maybe that can incorporate her in more. Or something I don't know, but uh, they haven't done a great job. She always, especially this season with Sarah coming back, she's felt even more like an outsider, yeah, uh, than than before. 
and and the, the storylines haven't always been uh, uh, the greatest. Even though, yeah, I like I like her too. So, do you guys think Detective Lance knows, or Officer Lance? Based on the scene with Laurel and him saying he didn't want to know, yeah. I'm thinking he doesn't know. Right. Or he's long since, like, sort of when he flipped and realized that uh, there's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in this town and, and there, you know, with there's police corruption and all kinds of uh, different things that maybe somebody like that is needed uh, and started helping him. I think from then he just, he, he really did flip to, I, I don't want to know. I don't even think about it anymore. Uh, you know, like, like he might know, but he doesn't want to admit it to himself kind of thing. I, maybe I mean, just that he hasn't ever stopped to think about it for a yeah. while. Uh, that maybe if he actually stopped to think about it, he could re-put the pieces back together and figure it out. But, but that, uh, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, I thought that was a pretty good speech of why he didn't want to know. And it showed the change in his character from obviously being, uh, going after, you know, wanting to to take down the hood in the first season and gave you an interesting perspective on what you know a character like that would have to deal with uh, in in their life. So yeah, I I don't think that he does know, but I think that sort of a smart enough character that if he really did decide that he wanted to know, he could figure it out. I just fear that it makes him a dumb cop that he hasn't figured it out if he hasn't. So that's why I kind of he really actively doesn't want to know. Yeah, I think like, that's I think that's more of what it is. Like he, it became a point where he wanted to find out and then certain things happened and he decided that he was good not knowing and has sort of put that uh to the side and then you know tells you why he he, he doesn't want to know. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> 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 All right. I would just really like it if they would make him become a detective again, uh, because it does become a little weird that uh, in in sort of a grim sort of way in that the same uh, beat cop shows up at every <laughs> seems to be at every scene uh, in the city and, and the surrounding area. They do that on Grimm, too, where there's the one police officer seems to be the <laughs> always on scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a regular character, but it also seems a little weird. But overall, really enjoying Arrow, and I uh, can't wait to see how they end it over here the next uh, couple episodes. And we'll move on to lastly, uh, Continuum is the last show on our list uh, this week. Uh, season 3, Episode 4, uh, A Minute Changes Everything. And uh, I don't know, the season is starting to really mess with your head even more so than any previous season. They're really getting into... The timeline stuff, uh, and then you know having multiple, multiple versions of characters, uh, having Carlos talk to the dead version of one of the characters. That was creepy. That, oh my god, that uh, was creepy. That was, uh, you know, having one character look for who killed her. That's an interesting murder mystery. Is uh, you're investigating who killed you, <laughs> but. The way this season started, that they've really gotten into the sort of timey wimeyness of the the story they've been telling. Because before they've been pretty straightforward. Of you see flashbacks of her past, which is a potential future. Uh, and but overall, I just think the show is really interesting, and in that the way that it puts forth things is she came back originally. You know, when she originally ended up back, she was looking at wanted to keep things the same. Because she was hoping to get back to her kid and, you know, the future that she knows. 
even though you can see in the things that they keep showing that she knows that the future that she was a part of wasn't necessarily the greatest. And so it puts things in an interesting perspective where while a group like Liberate, they are terrorists, but they're also sort of advocating something that's not necessarily a bad thing. They're just doing it in like the most violent way possible. So I, the, a lot of things in this show just make you actually really think about things and, and what they're, you know, the ideas that they're presenting, uh, which is pretty interesting from a show that is, you know, on the face of it is a procedural with a, a mystery each week. Right. So uh, what do you think, uh, Libya? Well, I, I like this episode better than some of the other ones, I think, so far this season, because, I mean, some of the other stuff was a little confusing, and and they weren't using the characters, I thought, necessarily to their full potential. I thought this episode was really good, because, uh, one, you had Carlos doing whatever he was doing with the dead body, which was creepy and interesting, and I had no idea what was going on in his head, which which to me, normally Carlos is pretty straightforward. You're not confused about his motivation. Now, I don't know what his agenda is, what he's trying to do, and that makes him more interesting. Um, and then you have your two different versions of uh, Adam Sandler, and um, you can't, like, originally I would have said, okay, well, we get rid of the time-traveling Sandler, and you go back to this new timeline, but now the new timeline, Sadler, kind of comes off as a jerk. Like, you like him at the beginning of the episode, but then when he meets his future self, he comes off as a jerk. And I don't – he's, like, super slick, and he thinks he knows everything, and he really doesn't. And it makes him kind of seem unlikable. It's just really strange. Um, the other thing that's weird about this season is that for the first two seasons, it was all about – uh, Kira and him like being the voice in her ear and then working together as a team. But that trust is broken now. And now they don't really speak to each other at all. And it's so strange. Uh, I'm not sure if I like that. <laughs> I, I do like it when they're friends. But I also can't... At some point before the end of the season, one of the Saddlers is going to have to die. You can't have two hanging around the timeline. So I figured we're at some point we're going to go to that, but I'm not sure which one we keep. Like, you know? Yeah, because that's kind of what she's been sent back to, or sent to, to figure out. Uh, in that first episode back, I thought at first there was a possibility that maybe she killed herself. I did too. I totally thought that, she did. That was, that was a possibility <laughs> that was out there, like that she was sent back and she has to clean up the timeline. Uh, but then you find out that somebody else killed her, and now, and she's letting the other Alec be there. I I thought it was pretty good though when the one sees the video and realizes, wait a second, that's I never did that, you know. That's so <laughs> and uh, and and so when they 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 first you know they meet, uh, but you have one you know he, where he's trying not to say anything about to to, to change anything, but. Uh, so many things have been changed already with now him being the head of this other company, uh, which was supposed to be, I guess, sort of a rival in the the future that he comes from or that Kira came from. I don't know. There, there's so much more things to try and follow than there used to be in the show. But I, I like that over the course of it, they keep ramping, you know, sort of these things up. 
to where there was questions like in the like that ending of the first episode back for the third season. I was like, oh, man, that that just changed the whole show up, uh, you know, again from what they they had been doing. Uh, And then when you let Carlos in on it and he's like, wait a second, there's two now there's and it just (laughs) sort of messes with his, you know. He would clearly, if you were him, you would be messed up right now. Uh, and then in this episode where he finally comes across and realizes that, uh, you know, Betty has been helping out Liberate, uh, you know, that's just an extra, like, little brick to crumble out of his world. I know, just lots of stuff going on, but uh, just a really good show all the way around, I think, that uh, that more people that are interested, you know, in sci-fi, time travel type of thing should give more of a shot they've done some crazy things this season and and they've jettisoned so much of what happened in the last episode and a half of last season exactly. and some of that I, some of it's good because i was really really upset when emily died you know i mean i like magda panowitz i think she's an actress that needs to be on more stuff um so i'm glad she's now alive but i mean there was the stuff where carlos and betty went to liberate or you know went to hang out with um Oh, now I'm completely blanking. Theseus? Uh, yes, thank you, Theseus. Um, that just doesn't make any sense in this context anymore. And it's amazing to me, because I'm not so sure, Libya, that they're going to have to kill one of the two Alex. Because I think that, I'm going to call him, you know, the dark timeline Alex, <laughs> Alex um, has, is, is the one that becomes the Alex Sadler of the future. Because I think we've established slowly over the course of the first two seasons that the Alex Sadler from the future, not a good guy. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that Alec will, will grow up to be, you know, the Alec of the future, which, you know, given your, your theory that one of them has to die, well, I don't want good Alec, you know, to die. But um, I'm like I said, I'm not so sure that both of them might not stick around for a while, though the scene with the two of them standing together talking to each other really is just another shining example of how um, Orphan Black is better at everything <laughs> they do know, right? than anything else on television. Right. I was thinking that because I think I had just watched Orphan Black right before I had watched that episode. And I was like, are you serious? This looks awful. Yeah, yeah that was pretty bad. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoulder bump you in the way out because that's as cool as pouring wine into a glass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't the, the, the greatest – it wasn't as bad as, say, you know, a, a couple seasons ago with the, the Sarah Michelle Geller show where she oh, was playing dear. twins. <laughs> that was uh, – Worst CGI of all time. Yeah, it just, it just showed uh, how, how, how far we've come in just a, just a few years. But, no, I agree. Orphan Black is doing uh, things between – the way they film it and are able to, you know, both frames of things together, the, the attention to detail that they do, uh, the amount of times of shots uh, that that feel like there are actually two people in the room and not one person playing two people uh, on Orphan Black is amazing. They're so good that you almost forget it sometimes, yeah. that it's the same yeah, person. I completely forget it. Yeah, absolutely. In this scene, I was like, I could see the green screen. I could see where they were splitting the shots, and it was distracting. So I couldn't lose myself. Yeah, because, well, they had things like he touches him on the shoulder, but it's just the shoulder present. Uh, On Reverend Black, 
you have one character knock another character down and lay on top of her with a gun in her face. And it looks like there's two people there, but it was two separate, you know, she did that twice with somebody else on top of her one time and her on top of somebody else the other time. And it's not exactly the continuum did it poorly. It's just that there's a new gold standard and everybody else has to change over to BBCA and see how it's done. Right. It seems that likely that there are going to be some more of those scenes uh, in, in the future of of continuum so let me see if they can do them uh, uh do them better uh than they did but just overall just i i look forward to the show on friday nights and i i look you know i look forward to uh, coming home from work and watching it uh mm-hmm. although it's become although it's become over the course of the series it's becoming more and more a series that you can't just sit and watch <laughs> you do have to pay attention more and more yes which is not necessarily a, a bad thing. I, I think uh, they've sort of slowly gone there, but yet in an interesting way at, from season to season of what they've done uh, with the show. And I still like the whole idea of, of somebody's flashbacks being their life in the future or what their life was in the future before yeah. they were sent back and things potentially changed. <laughs> Well, what happened changes in colors what we're seeing now. I mean, it's we're used to seeing flashbacks because it could be a character remembering what has happened and how it colors what's happening in our life now. But, I mean, the scene, the flash forward back thing this week where, you know, I mean, she's slowly coming around to the idea that corporations aren't the good things that they were. And you could see that the seeds of that were already there. But I think that, and and I just I just really like the scene where her teammates gave her the you know the low fives on the back while they were being reamed by the commander. I thought yeah. that was well done. I, I think it would be an, an a potential interesting arc for her to. She's sort of working for these uh, you know the behind the scenes people that are trying to keep the timeline clean. But that if she comes, to, she you know that she seems to be slowly coming to the conclusion that maybe you know even though her son and her family is there that for the world that maybe this direction is not the greatest direction for things to go, you know, for the future to actually go that way. As long as they don't cop out and put her and Carlos as a couple, I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, well, Carlos seems to be really attracted to the other one right now. Not so trustworthy. <laughs> of the, <laughs> of the... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, it was it was one thing to have him go and talk to her or talk to the body of her. It was another thing for her him to be brushing her hair back and and stuff. That was that was where the scene got it jumped the line of being from <laughs> from you could see this to this is really creepy uh, to something's not definitely not right with Carlos. Right. He needs to accept the new Kara and move on. They need to get rid of that body. Like, why is that body still frozen? Like, what? Why would you keep the other Kira's body frozen? Nothing good can come of this. (laughs) Other than someone going, hey, why is there a second version of you? It's a clone. I tell you, a clone crossed over. I've got a sister that you never knew about. (laughs) Why is your sister shot? I don't know. That's what I've been investigating. All right. Well, that'll do it for the primetime segment this week. And we'll move on to the uh, TV recommendation segment. And first up is myself with my recommendation, which is 24 Live Another Day. 
Uh, it Ooh. starts Monday, May 5th, with a two-hour premiere, and it's good. The first two hours are, are really good. It's one of those ideas that when you, you hear it's coming back, you're like, oh, I used to like that show. Let's see what they could do. Uh, but then you hear you know, all the different cast members and things that they're bringing back. Uh, but after watching the first two episodes, it feels like they came up with a good idea of how these, you know, of how you get Jack back into doing some of the things that Jack used to do and, you know, why he would, you know, why it's set in London. They, they did a really good job of, of allaying your fears of it feeling super contrived to get all these things back together. I felt like they did a really good job with a a pretty good idea uh, to, you know, sort of get things back going again. And uh, I, I quite enjoyed the, the first two episodes and highly recommend it. I, I liked the first two episodes, but I'll, I'll say this, that I always thought 24 worked better when Jack was on the inside breaking the rules rather than being on the outside breaking the rules. I just thought that was a more interesting character, but you're right. You know, Jack is back. Yeah, and, but, but I think there, you know, there's there's a potential that not too long into it, you end up with it being maybe closer to what it was, but based on how they ended things and where it was, I I think they did a really good job of bringing it, of bringing him back in, in, in a storyline that doesn't feel like I said, doesn't feel like a contrived way of, it feels like a situation that Jack would come back for uh, type of thing. So you don't think, you don't think Chloe being in London is just a little convenient in London, not specifically where she is at the beginning of the episode, but just being in London. Yeah, well, kind of. Uh, that may be like the one thing, except that, you know, being whatever, you know, happened to her in the last four years mm. uh, and being, you know, disassociated with uh, her previous life and, you know, leaving the country, that that might end up, uh, uh, she might, you know, end up with a group like that. But uh, I think that that's a group that's maybe not necessarily always in London that they may, you know, sort of move around uh, a bit. It just happens to be that's where it is. And uh, I mean, that may be like the one little bit, but overall it, it still felt pretty good for the overall story of, uh, of, of bringing, you know, these people back uh, together to, uh, to work. The only thing I thought that (laughs) was weird, I will say is that, uh, uh, Geez, well, I'm blanking on her name, but she played uh, Sarah on Ch- on Chuck. Yvonne Strauss. Uh, yeah. yeah, is I find it really interesting that it's set that the, that the show is set in London and she's playing an American. Uh, <laughs> they, they they cast her to to play an American. So, uh, but uh, that was the only thing that threw me at first. But we'll move on to uh, Ivy. What is uh, you said? You said you had recently caught up with something and. Uh, I recently got into a show on Netflix that was on a couple of years ago that I didn't, I missed the first time around. Cause I kind of, before Bunheads, I kind of turned my nose up at anything ABC family was doing. Um, but it was Greek, um, which ran depending on how you did the math, either four seasons or six seasons, because what Netflix says and what IMDb says are two entirely different things. But I w- it was, I was surprised at how much I liked it. It was a, it was. I think it was one of those. It came up on a recommendation because you like witty comedies. But it was a. It was a very smartly written, 
um, you know, chock full of pop culture references and, you know, kind of that meta, we live in a world where everybody watches the same stuff we're watching kind of stuff. And um, it was well put together. It was progressive. There was, you know, some storylines that you, you know, you weren't necessarily seeing on television a lot of the time that kind of, um, you know, based on college sexuality and those types of things. And uh, I was Greek in college and that was nothing like what happened at my school. (laughs) There wasn't a a dance every week. It was was like watching Gossip Girl where there was a ball or a dance every week or a party to go to every weekend. But I I really enjoyed it. And and because of that, I'm looking for a couple of the actors uh, in new projects. So I'm actually going to go back and watch what, what, what was what was aired of Ironside just because Spencer Grammer was in it. So I, I, I recommend it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a whole lot. Right. Yeah. Good show. One of my favorites from, you know, back when it was on, you know, it sort of fits into that. Like you said, a lot of pop culture references, uh, very well written, a little more on the, it's sort of like the romantic dramedy, uh, a, a show that shows that you, you can't just uh, turn your nose up at a network overall. Right. There's usually something good on a lot of different networks, while maybe the rest of the stuff is not, uh, <laughs> so, you know, so good. And uh, Libya, how about you? I'm gonna go with a show pre- uh, premiering its third season uh, on Annie called Longmire. And uh, the good news is it premieres June 2nd, so there's a month and some change uh, before the premiere date. And the first two seasons are on Netflix. So you can easily get caught up before it premieres. And the reason why I like this show is I think I've always kind of liked Westerns, sort of. I mean, that's kind of – it's not exactly the genre I would say is my number one genre, genre but I kind of do. And this fits in as kind of a modern-day Western where the story takes place oh, Wyoming, North it's like Dakota. I'm forgetting now. Yeah, I always forget exactly where it's Absaroka County. That's the thing Absaroka, I always. Yeah, I was like Absaroka <laughs> But it, yeah, it's somewhere up there. Somewhere, yeah, and and so they have uh, the reservation with uh, the Native Americans are all. They, they have a separate police force, so sometimes you have that. Then you have like uh, they were Mennonites, not Amish. You have that community next door, and it's each episode is pretty much a standalone. But what I find really compelling about the show is the character of the sheriff uh, played by Robert Taylor. And I didn't understand why he hadn't starred in a million other things before I saw him in this. Like after I'd seen season one, I was like, I went looking for other things he's done. And this is the only thing he's done in the U.S. Because he's Australian, Um, which you wouldn't know if you didn't look that up either. Uh, But he has like this personality where it's you can't stop watching him uh and the show's not super super fast paced but there's an overall kind of mystery happening about his his wife died like right before the premiere and you're not sure how she died or why she died or what he did he may have killed somebody or he didn't kill somebody so there's like this whole mystery of of that that kind of plays through the first two seasons so that's sort of that that keeps you as far as a long arc that kind of, they give you little pieces of that. Um, and then you have the case of the week and then you have, um, his deputy is, Oh my goodness. Uh, Starbuck. I just, Katie Sackoff, Katie Sackoff basically plays his right hand. And that relationship is really interesting to me too. So yeah, I, is Cassidy Freeman still on that show? Yes. Okay. Hmm. That's the, is that the daughter? Yeah. Plays his daughter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so his I like his relationship with his daughter, which goes up and down because mainly do, dealing with the mystery around the mom's death. Uh, so that's all really pretty good. Um, so the interpersonal relationship are the overall arc, and then you have a case each week. That's kind of how the show works, and mm. I think it does a great job. Yeah, you get a you get a case each week, and sometimes. Uh, the cases during the week play into bigger things that are happening in that area. Sometimes they're more of a standalone case. Uh, and then there's the overall bigger mystery of what happened to his wife that that's still playing out. But it's him dealing with those things. Uh, it's him trying to come back uh, from, you know, losing his wife of a long time. Lots of, a lot of great character work, a lot of great characters yeah. to follow in the show. And, uh, Again, another show that yeah, it's it's built on the case of the week procedural, but so much more interesting than than that. That's like if you if you put it in that category, sort of like uh, it, that. That's just being like mean to the show. It's it's there's so much it's so much more you know than that. It's kind of like saying that like continuum is just a procedural. I mean, there's so much more happening in in this case. You know, there's. It's it's a lot of the interpersonal relationships and uh, the inner workings of how the people on the you know the reservations deal with you know people that aren't on the reservations and you know those like you said those two police forces and how they get along and uh, just the you know the the one guy from the reservation that's you know working on putting together this big casino deal. Oh right, and, right. And he's you know he's not a, a good guy. Uh, that's there's there's just there's a lot of stuff going on in the show definitely uh yeah and with the two seasons it's 23 episodes uh, 10 in the first season 13 in the second season so yeah it's definitely worth worth watching and something that you could easily catch up with by the time it it, season three premieres on uh, june 2nd yeah i give it a thumbs up i will put it on my list just because you guys said so (laughs) there you go all right. Uh, with that, uh, that'll bring us to the end uh, of the podcast. Uh, as always, you can find uh, links to the recommendations that we made, as well as the news stories that we talked about, and where you can find the writings in uh, the case of Ivy and the podcast in the case of <laughs> Libya. We'll have links to those in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 224. And we'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, the shows that we talked about this week. Uh, what did you think about what happened on Game of Thrones? Are you hoping that the Blacklist, you know, finally gives us some answers? Do you agree that Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has made a turnaround? Are you as in love with Arrow as I am? <laughs> <laughs> and have you checked out Continuum? Uh, if so, you know, if, or if not, let us know why you haven't or... Uh, Definitely another show worth checking out. And uh, you can uh, you know leave those comments in the show notes, or you can drop us an email at feedback at tvtimes3.com. And uh, next week, uh, Amory will be back with me, and uh, joining us will be Kyle Nolan from uh, noreruns.net. And uh, to close things out, I'd like to uh, thank Jay Guerrera, uh, Rebecca Sharp-Lake, Joshua Russo, Dorothy Withers, Chris Wells, uh, TV Blog Ratings, and Brianna Martinez, and also Ivy, who followed TV Times 3 in the last month <laughs> on Twitter. If you would like to follow us, it's twitter.com slash TV Times 3. 
we post it when the episodes uh, go out and, uh, you know, sometimes chat about some of the shows. Also, would like to thank uh, TW at the IREL podcast uh, for your recent review and uh, rating in iTunes. iTunes ratings and reviews are always welcome if you would uh, uh, like to help us out. Uh, you can go to tvtimes3.com slash iTunes and uh, leave a rating or a review or both. And uh, those help us find more listeners uh, in the iTunes uh, database. It's always better to have <laughs> more reviews. And to close out, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And once again, uh, Ivy and Libya, thanks uh, for joining me on episode 224. Thanks for having us. We sit glued to the TV set all night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of drinks.